1: Live. Hello. Hey, what's up? Hey. Okay,
2: there you go. That was a good one for Kit. Yeah, to come out struggling like that and be
0: able to pull together with defense and make the offense come off of that was and then deliver the dagger was that was pretty impressive. Your boy, Especially I, mean, I your was kid. I
1: was wrong about your boy. Mo ball man. Yes, sir.
0: He's such a good fit, man. <laughs> and the thing about it too, when Kyrie does come back, and it shows how much better this team can get with Kyrie and Shumpert uh, coming back eventually. Here, Mogadi is going to be fine with coming off the bench and backing him up and getting his, you know, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two minutes.
1: Well, I think Kyrie should be able to play better in bursts. I mean, to me, I mean, one of my real criticisms. But Kyrie, he always looks like he's dying out there. Like, after he played, like, six minutes or stuff, he still gets to the rim and stuff, but you see him, he's sucking wind after that, you know? Like, so, um, yeah. It, it's going to be up to years. black, though. To, the matchups are the key. The certain, yeah. match, you know, like, matching up a certain guy. So, mm-hmm. uh, when everybody's healthy, so that's a good part of the This yeah. guy can't fuck this up. I mean, this time, um, you got to, honestly, you gotta really, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm a little nervous about how good Steph Curry's play. It's like he fucking layups every time he shoots the three. I mean, listen,
1: man, I'm going to tell you this thing right now. Nobody wants to do what really needs to be done. This guy, we all know he's frail as shit, Now, unless this guy's on the fucking horse, which I believe he possibly could be. Because this guy couldn't stay healthy the first four years in the league to save his life. My thing <laughs> is, I've got to start putting the, putting the bow to this guy. That's all I want to see. If he's still hitting shots as people are putting the elbow to the guy, hey, God bless him. You know what I'm saying? But nobody plays that guy. So, that's Delhi. I mean.
0: Yeah, that'll be the playoffs, and he's going to have to go through three good teams, at least two good,
2: really good teams to get to the finals again. So,
3: no guarantee there.
1: Um, let's do the predictions real quick and then we'll get down on talk through stuff and then you guys can go in the book. I mean, I think that'll work out faster. Um, that's fine.
0: Uh, Uh, let me, let me turn down the TV. Hold on a second. All
3: right. I should probably shut this door too. It's a little late.
2: Fucking Ohio is kicking a field goal down 41 14 with four minutes left in the third quarter.
0: You've got to be kidding me.
1: might have been out drinking,
0: you know. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And it's a 25 yard field goal. It's not like they're trying hey, I'm to get it on four, This is crazy.
2: <laughs> All right, coach. Good job. <laughs> You've cut it to 24 and have no chance to move the ball that many times on PT with your offense.
1: We're going straight into the game, so uh, I'm going to say the big ones for last. We'll go with some of the easy ones first. Uh, Let's get into the picks for the – well, we got a huge one, actually, Thursday night. Huge matchup. The TCU Horned Frogs go into Stillwater to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys.
2: Say that again? TCU versus Oklahoma State. That's not on Thursday. Oh, I think they played.
0: No. You got Baylor-Kansas State on Thursday. Baylor-Kansas
3: State Thursday. That's the game I was missing. Okay, my bad. Huge
2: matchup for the team that's on the outside looking in. Baylor and Kansas State on Thursday. Yeah, I think this is – I mean, always on a Thursday night in Manhattan,
0: the first thing you think of is upset alert with Kansas State. Uh, To me, the problem is they've just absolutely been through the gauntlet the last four weeks. Uh, They've had to play Oklahoma State undefeated, TCU undefeated, Oklahoma one loss, and then at Texas the last four weeks. They've been through the meat grinder. Um, they they played some competitive games in there, but uh, they also had the 55 nothing loss to Oklahoma at home. I, I just I just think an angry Baylor team who's been personally offended basically by the college football uh, playoff rankings uh, they've got something to prove, and unfortunately Kansas State doesn't. Have the defense? I mean, no team in the Big 12 has the defense, but especially Kansas State against this Baylor team. The weather's supposed to be perfect for it. I I, I see blowout city and uh, the little
1: the little apple this week. I agree. The other problem is they don't have the offense either. Uh, Hefner, you know, he was able to score some points rushing uh, in that game against TCU, but they couldn't put him away in each and he made the costly turnover. So. I think that's going to be the difference as well, that they try to keep lighten up the scoreboard, playing pinball with the uh, Baylor Bears. Uh, you like the Bears on Thursday. I, I like the Bears as well on Thursday.
0: You, uh, you're right on, too, uh, as far as the defense. I mean, Baylor is a step up, I think, from TCU's defense at this point. Uh, so a, a, another thing that's going against Kansas State in this one.
2: Huge matchup in the AAC,
1: nine-power-five. The Cincinnati Bearcats take on the Houston Cougars.
0: Yeah, this will be an interesting one. Cincinnati's actually been playing really good and putting a lot of points up on the board, and Baylor's been just uh, demolishing teams. Now, I know that they're not the greatest teams in the world, uh, but this will be a little bit better test, I think, at least uh, as far as gauging Houston's defense and the legitimacy to them. Uh you can't say enough for what Tom Herman's done in the first year of that program. Um I, I I'm going to I'm just going to say I'm going to roll with Tom Herman for no other reason than he hasn't given me a reason to not believe in him at this point. Cincinnati can be a little bit schizophrenic at times. Uh Houston to me just seems like the more consistent team. Uh even though Cincinnati is going in the right direction right now.
1: Well, Cincinnati, you know, the Bearcats and Tommy Tupperville have a couple things going for them. They got Gunnar Kiel back, got that offense well on the game against UConn, big win, 37-13. Gunner Kiel, two touchdowns, 327. And that's a slow day for Kiel, Um Kiel, the Cincinnati offense. But, you know, the one thing that they have, and history is not on their side, is that Houston has not beat the Bearcats since 1999. So, Tom Herman... <laughs> once again, has walked into the right situation at the right time. We can say it every week with this Houston team. The way that they're playing with Gary Moore during are down there, the Cougars, um, you know, the fact that they're averaging over 45 points a game, and, you know, it's just amazing. And they're forcing 22 turnovers so far this year. So it's not like they're just doing it with offense, blowing people out. They actually are getting some timely turnovers on defense. The Cougars will roll the Bearcats here. I mean, roll them big time. Um, And the only thing that you might say, the Cougars might be looking ahead to the big matchup with Memphis. But after Memphis struggled with Tulane, I could definitely focus, you know, the Cougars. If, and that's Tom Herman will have those guys ready to go. So, And then they'll be ready to go against for that big game, Memphis, which we definitely will talk about the week after that. So, And shout-out to the Cougars and the Memphis Tigers for both being ranked in the college football. Right?
2: And Temple as well, even after the loss to Notre Dame, uh, another AAC team.
1: All right, we go back to the Big 12. The TCU Horn Frogs go into Stillwater to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, Oklahoma State's undefeated, but I still have no clue what they are, uh, even after last week. Uh, it, TCU, I know what their offense is, and that's maybe the most explosive in the country. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's in Stillwater. I just think Gary Patterson is starting to get these guys defensively a, a little bit more sound. Uh, you know, I, anytime I mention defense in the Big Twelve, I, I almost bite my tongue. But uh, I, I think TCU. There's going to be a million points scored in this, and I think TCU can score as good, if not better, than Oklahoma State. And now. Take TCU to make a play on defense, get a couple turnovers maybe, and win this ball game.
1: I definitely, I mean, if we're talking about shootouts, yeah, you got to take TCU any day. Um, Oklahoma State definitely came up big last week against Texas Tech, but that game 70, 50, 70 to fifty three. I mean, you thought the right. basketball teams are playing in Lubbock, so uh, you know, rolling with if you're t- telling me a shootout. I will go with Trayvon Boykin and Josh Dodson you know, and Gary and right. with a little bit of defense over uh, Mike Dundee and his squad. So uh, rolling with the Purple Horned Frogs.
2: All right. The Pac-12
1: gets started early this week. The Stanford Cardinal goes in a boulder to take on the Colorado Buffaloes.
2: This Colorado
0: team is actually a, a pretty solid team. They've played a lot of close games in the back 12 uh, and put up some numbers. But it, it, I, it's just a bad situation. Stanford's uh, rolling towards – I know they struggled last week at, at Wazoo, came down to that field goal. But I, I just still feel that Stanford is in a good position um, and controls its own destiny. One of the teams, I think, uh, in this thing, if they went out, they beat Notre Dame, win the Pac-12. There, it's going to be a hard time uh, keeping them out of the Final Four. Um, more to play for, and uh, it, it's a contrast—a little bit of a contrast in styles. But
2: I think Stanford gets this done. You know, you look at the Stanford Cardinal right now, um,
1: Colorado, the Stanford Cardinal right now, I mean, they escaped they up there <laughs> and pulled some against Washington State. I mean, Mike Leach wasn't complaining about them stealing calls, but uh, they got outgained in the game by the Cougars, but they still found a way to win, and that was because the guy pushed the field goal. They really should have lost that game to bad play calling by Mike Leach. But nevertheless, Stanford's found a way to win. I think the same thing happens here. Colorado went down to the wire where UCLA was actually up on them, but they let them back in the game. And I think the defense is the difference. You got Ed, McCaffrey, you got Ed McCaffrey's kid at Stanford, um, Christian McCaffrey, seven straight games of over 100 yards on the ground. He's leading in all purpose yards at 245 a game. So my thing is, you know who you got to try to stop number five and nobody can stop him. Uh, so, yeah, I don't see any way the Buffaloes get this one, the Stanford Cardinal rolls. Right now, Stanford, though, they're planning to impress the uh, college football committee, which clearly has the Pac-12, anything with the 12-at-the-end bias. I will
0: say this about Stanford, and you kind of elaborated on it. Uh, if if a team can shut down McCaffrey, they are very, very limited offensively after him. Uh, they don't have the best wide receiver core in the world. they got a decent tight end. Um, but it, 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 it could be a very long day quickly for Stanford, and we kind of saw that with uh, in the Northwestern game. Uh, so keep an eye out for that, and, uh, you know, Buffalo can score some points, so uh, it'll be interesting to see which team can take away McCaffrey, which is not an easy task, obviously.
1: Yeah, Buffalo's got a great little running back. The guy helped me on DraftKings the one day. I, his name escapes me right now, but they can run the ball and maybe play a little Keep away uh, with that Stanford offense, um, but you know you got to give it to Stanford's defense too. They, they, they—the big thing in that Washington State game—they, they kept David Falk and that Cougars offense to two of three, to two of fourteen three third down conversions. So that was a big thing. If you can't, you know, get those third down conversions, you're not going to win many football games. So I
2: like Stanford moving forward. All right, let's get to it. The big one in the afternoon. we
3: uh, have anything else?
2: Well, we got Florida State Clemson.
1: I had to pull it up real quick. Oh, yeah, let's get these other games out the way. We'll speak about the Cougars. The Arizona State Sun Devils, who have admitted to stealing signs, are going in the pulsum to take on the Washington State Cougars.
2: Yeah, this, Washington State, I mean,
0: coming that close, that's got to be a pretty big letdown. But like you said, it's in Pullman, so Arizona State has to travel up there, hostile territory. Uh, again, a lot of points going to be scored in this one. Uh, Washington State is the team that I think is improving more. Uh, Arizona State, we know, has its flaws, but they're a talented team as well. Uh, I, I'm going to take the home team in this one to, to rebound and, and get a good win against Arizona State.
1: Yeah, I, I think the Cougars definitely are going to come out with the claws. Uh, they will be very angry. David Falk will just throw all over And You know, we talked a little bit on our NFL show, who's the better quarterback. Well, we know how certain people feel that join these college football podcasts about Mike Bercovici. So I think David Falk is definitely the better quarterback in this matchup. And, uh, Arizona State's defense really hasn't, um, you know, led up to the point. Even if they are stealing signs, they're not getting them. They're not getting the play calls right because they're not stopping anybody. So I like the Cougars here.
0: Yeah, and I think they have the better playmakers as well outside of the quarterback position and run a more intricate uh, offense. If, I, I just think they're a better coach team as well.
1: All right, the Salt Lake Warriors will be going to the Pacific Northwest. The Utah Utes going to Seattle to take on the Washington Husks.
4: Uh
0: Oregon came out of that shootout with a win somehow. Um, Washington has been a pretty good team all season, but uh, I feel like Oregon has maybe figured some things out, definitely offensively. They've never been a very good uh, defensive team, uh, but – Way say. Oregon doesn't play.
2: No, Oregon uh, plays Washington, Washington.
0: They play Cal. Oregon plays yeah, we, Cal.
1: It, we're doing Utah versus Washington. You just got yourself confused a little bit. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Oregon beat Washington bad.
0: last week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's what it was. Well, never mind. Let me start over there. <laughs> <laughs> so Utah has got to go into uh, go go to Washington. Uh, night game. Well, actually, it's not a night game. It's a Pac-12 game. So 7:30 Eastern time kick. Uh, Washington is a much improved team this year. I think finally uh, Chris Peterson has them moving in the right direction. Uh, this could be a close game. I think Utah has been exposed a little bit. Uh, it could be fine. they could find some tough treading up there. I'm going to take the upset there and take Washington in this one.
1: I think the Huskies really thought this was the year they get get the Ducks, um, which it should have been the year that they got the Ducks, you know, got the win over the Ducks. They haven't won over the Ducks. I think it's been something like 4,000 days. It's been like three or so years. I mean, you consider, you know, Mario was here before that, Chip Kelly. So the Huskies definitely uh, desperate for a win. It's going to take a lot to get them back up on the mountain and be the Utah team. I like Utah. I think Wilson and Booker, even with, you know, them falling out of the top, you know, four or, you know, the top ten, I think Utah still has got a lot to prove to themselves, and they're trying to fight to keep the Pac-12 respectable. So, I like the Utah Utes in Seattle. Do you what, think
2: what, if Utah were Do you think if Utah were to win out that and win the Pac-12,
0: do they do they get in?
1: No, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. You can say that later, but no, no, I don't think any Pac-12 would find a way in right now. That's the whole thing. That's why I'm pissed about mm-hmm. the whole. College football playoff, but yeah, you know, we'll get
0: to that. All right, yeah,
1: gotcha. Uh, all right, the big one. Well, no, the big one in the FCC. The LSU Tigers go into Tuscaloosa to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. There's uh, in, in,
0: no tricking anyone in this one. Well, maybe a trick play if we know less miles, but. Uh, Alabama and LSU know each other very well. Uh, They're two of the most talented rosters in the entire country. Uh, I I think if I look at this one at the quarterback position, because I think everything else pretty much is a wash, Uh, they're pretty evenly matched all the way around. Uh, So it comes down to the quarterback to me, who I think is a little bit better. And right now I think it's uh, Harris for LSU. Uh, he seems to have gained a little bit more confidence in throwing the ball, and he's definitely more uh, athletic and a better runner than Coker. And I don't trust Coker's decision-making, and I don't trust the combination of Lane Kiffen and Coker's decision-making. Uh, so I, I think LSU finds a way to uh, disrupt him and maybe get a turnover, and uh, Lane Kiffin's play calling is definitely in question every week. Um, whereas Cam Cameron to me is one of the better offensive coordinators in the country. Uh, I'm taking LSU in this one uh, in in an upset uh, in uh,
2: Tuscaloosa. Well, I think you hit the real key on the head, you know.
1: Do you like, you know, the the combo with Cam Cameron and – is Cam Cameron even coaching? Did
0: he take the lead? I, I thought he was there, I see. Well, look real quick. No, we're
1: all right. You definitely you you hit the nail on the coffin when you talk about Lane Kiffin and Jacob Poker. They've had some great success, well, they've had some games where they look right, but a lot of times the Alabama offense has struggled. I mean, you look at what happened at Tennessee; they barely escaped there with a the win. Yeah, you know, they got rolling against Texas A&M. So I don't know which Alabama offense is going to show up. They've got the playmakers. I really like the Mulaney kid, love Kenyon Drake, but they don't get them the ball in the right time. Um, and then when they got Derrick Henry rolling, they don't roll with him. We know Leonard Fournette's the best player on the field. But when you look at secondaries, I'll give it to Alabama. You give me the linebackers, I give it to Alabama. You give me the front four, I'm taking LSU. You give me the O-line, I'm actually going to go with LSU. So, you know, this thing is an even matchup, like you were saying. The one key here is it's going to be a tight game like it always is. I like Saban to actually pull this one out when it comes to a tight game because, like you said, the Mad Hatter always wants to do something crazy and it's come to bite him in the butt before. So And like I said, Brandon Harris throwing against that secondary for Alabama actually is a matchup where Alabama can win. Um, and I know Nick Saban will have those guys ready for – the route, and the tendencies that those LSU receivers will be making. So they don't throw about a bottle lot in LSU, even though they, they started to a couple of weeks ago. But I don't think they have enough uh, continuity in their passing game to beat an Alabama secondary. I like the Crimson Tide here. And somehow they will stay up in the top
2: four. Crimson Tide. The Florida State Seminoles go into Death Valley to take on the number one Clemson Tigers.
3: Yeah, and Clemson, Ryan High now, the number one team
0: in the entire country, um, according to some criteria that nobody has any idea what goes into. But uh, it's an actual test right now, I think, for Clemson. Florida State really hasn't played anyone. But I think what they did find last week when they played Syracuse was a, a downfield passing game. And I'm wondering if now Jimbo Fisher will stick with Sean McGuire, quarterback. Uh, I, I thought he brought a completely different dimension to the passing attack to Florida State. Um, it it complemented their running game very well. And I thought he took care of the ball very nicely. And those are all knocks on, on Ever Golson. Uh, he's in the concussion protocol, and I don't even know if he'll be able to play at all. So it, it at least 50-50 that McGuire's going to have to play because of injuries. But once Colson is healthy, uh, I think that's a big question for Florida State going forward. Uh, I, I think Clemson does at home find a way to win against Florida State. They're not the same type of team that they've been in the past. But I think they give them a game, and uh, it's a lot closer.
1: Well, here's the one thing. You, you make a good point talking about Sean McGuire in the passing game. We saw Jacoby Brissett put up 41 points uh, with the NC. Don't turn your back on the Wolfpack against the Clemson Tigers last week in a shootout, 56-41. But Deshaun Watson was better, and the Clemson Tigers defense was timely with a couple turnovers. Um, when it comes to Florida State, both Bolson and Cook practice on Tuesday, so they will play. Uh, Jimbo Fisher did say both of the quarterbacks will see time. So I, you know, I think they're trying to keep the Clemson, you know, DC defensive coordinator guessing out there. Uh, they are playing at home. Death Valley is a huge thing, but the one thing is, the best player on the field will not be wearing orange. He'll be wearing uh, the burgundy, and that's Dalvin Cook. If that guy is even fifty percent, he will run all over Clemson, who showed they could not tackle against the Wolfpack, and that's one been one of their Achilles' heels all year long. I like Florida State for the upset here. Uh, Clemson will go Clemsony. Don't let Dabo hear you say that. Well, I, 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 my, my invitation to the pizza party will be revoked then. <laughs> All
2: right. Any other games you want to pick? Um, no, not really, because I'll, I'll mention Michigan State and Nebraska.
0: Well, if you, if you want to do Michigan State and Nebraska and talk about that mess.
1: Yeah, I was gonna bring up Nebraska and wanted to take away. So it's like, you know, I got the question about what's Perfect. the first joke job from last week? Yeah, you'll know, get your okay, mic cool. ready, dash in there. Don't worry. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Are you there? Hello?
4: My neighbor's over real quick. Give me one second, gentlemen. I don't want to be rude. I just got to tape this with my friends. But Did I'll come Frank Sol- over. Take the Frank- iPad with you, and then I'll come over and I'll grab it, okay?
0: Frank Sol has just tried another field goal, down forty-eight seventeen. This time in the fourth quarter.
1: <laughs> this guy's got to have money on a game where he's point shaving. <laughs>
0: I don't know. What, it, it was like a fifty-yard field goal that was completely shanked. It was ridiculous.
4: <laughs> Gentlemen, can you hear me?
0: We got to John. Good to hear you.
4: How are you boys? All right? Doing alright. Doing good. All right. Good. Okay, that's good to hear. Uh we're um, going... Go ahead. No, I uh I uh I'm glad to chat with you guys. It's been a couple of weeks since we did the podcast together for a number of different reasons, whether it was um stuff that you guys had going on or stuff that that I had going on or whatever it is. So I'm glad that uh back in the saddle boys. Um this is uh, this is uh, definitely something that I'm excited about this week. I, I don't mean to like uh, hang my dirty laundry, so to speak, but my wife and I separated last week, so um, oh. this is something that I've been able to do to kind of get my head back. And, um, you know, I've, I've never met you guys before, but I hope that at some point I do. But I, you know, through times of reflection over the last few weeks. You know, I I just want you guys both to know that I I appreciate talking to you on Twitter and doing the podcast and and all of this different stuff. So um, yeah. Anyway, without further ado, you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: yeah,
4: no, sorry, sorry to hear that. Yeah.
1: Uh, the show must Thank go on. Uh, I mean, it's bad news <laughs> all the way around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> uh, the the uh, station
0: I I got uh, hired on, John. Uh, today I walked in, I was gonna fill in on ninety five five the game is where I've been working and interning. And yeah. uh, I walk I walked in there, I was supposed to co host today at four o'clock. I get there at two o'clock to start doing some prep and stuff like that. And they they tell me that this morning at ten o'clock they were all pulled into a boardroom meeting. Uh iHeart Radio at Bot broadcasting and is disbanding the talk, or the sports station. So, <laughs> yeah great, they, right? Next Friday will be uh the last day for ninety of the game until it turns into uh gospel or adult contemporary or yeah. whatever the hell iHeart's gonna Ooh. do with it.
4: Whatever, right? How novel. <laughs> oh well Yeah, so yeah, so not quite nearly
0: the impactful news, but it's just it's been uh <laughs> an interesting well, couple
1: of days.
4: Well, in all in all truthfulness, this is something that I've been somewhat prepping for, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, with that, I've been able to kind of get everything in place as far as getting my mind right. Um, What I didn't think was going to be such a pain and what I have found to be crazy is all of the transition and all of the busy work that I have to do as far as filing paperwork and splitting up all of our possessions and bank accounts and health insurance and et cetera. So literally it's like gonna be a, a process. But the cool thing is is for the first time and I mean I've been with her for ten years. It's you know, I I can do whatever the fuck I want, which is pretty cool. So you know we'll <laughs> the hand, we'll the see. hand we'll see. her off. Oh, God, God. God, Lord
1: knows that. I mean I understand that. You yes, understand doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So
4: yeah, I mean it, it is what it is and I don't Today I didn't have to worry about when I was going to shoot the podcast with you guys. Hey, you want to do it at five thirty? Cool. You want to do it at seven thirty? Cool. You want to do it whenever? Hey, get up. Let's do it. All so, right. Well,
1: we'll be getting we'll be getting you up for the uh, the three thirty a.m. ones because we did one
4: at six thirty a.m. This hey, much. Time. Hey, when, whenever you guys want, if you want to do tennis, the, the tennis the <laughs> podcast and you know talk about Federer at four a.m. You know, hey, let's do it, man. It's, this first serve looks real good right now. Anyway, um, yeah, let's.
1: We'll get it set up.
4: Uh, All right. First, right, we're going,
1: going with the uh, takeaways from college football. Okay. I've got a couple just to get it going, um, and then you guys can chime in with yours, and then uh, we'll go into the rankings. Not heavy, but just you know. I mean, you know, I got a couple problems with it. I'm you know yeah. saying, I just, I mean, honestly, I find it funny, but I just like kicking this committee around. Um, I know. It's a, of, it's a bunch of people from Ivy Towers picking college football. I mean, basically, uh, but. Um, And then, you know, get into your uh, guys' in-the-book stuff. So that's basically how we're running it down here.
4: So Yeah, let's do it. Quick
1: heads
0: up. uh, Sorry, real quick. Quick heads up on the end of the book. Uh, I'm going to bring up Baylor-K State. Uh, I know it's tomorrow, but I I feel strong on it, so I'm going to call my shot. duke unc Sparty, in Nebraska, and then LSU-Bama. Okay.
4: Okay. I, I have my in the book games and other than that I have all the prediction games that that you guys laid out. Um and then I have some of my picks are under the radar and some of the games are, are not necessarily under the radar. They're just not games that we specifically that you guys specifically listed. So um all right. if, if they're I'll not just, a play you're
0: gonna, if they're not a play you're gonna do, keep it uh, brief on the um on the games that we just picked.
4: Fair enough. Yep, that sounds good.
0: Alright, cool. Okay.
4: This is with an Ohio
1: Bias, a podcast for Real Fans with D and Jake. College football, week ten. It gets real. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to see Bus. The Buckeyes are back and we're talking college football. And once again we're joined by West Coast aficionado, John Costas.
4: Thanks, boys, for having me again. I'm here out in Southern California. But I have Cleveland roots, and uh, I love college football. Love chatting with you. You can find me at Cleveland Cause on Twitter.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen. This week we're going with our takeaways from some of the crazy things that have happened in college football. Even if guys, even if a conference should give change the result of a game, uh, we then of course we'll talk about the first initial college football playoff ranking and then we will get inside the book with Jake and John for their picks, along with, of course, the prediction game. Uh, Let's get into it right now. ACC, should they have changed over the Duke-Miami result? What's the biggest choke job of the week also is the other one on the table, the Nebraska choke, uh, which was just a beatdown. Minnesota, giving that one a game to the team up north, or any other game that you think maybe a choke, especially the one that was in the rain up in some. Washington State not having a kick against Stanford to put them out. Uh, all on the table. I personally feel that the ACC missed the call on the field. The refs were terrible. I know they got suspended or whatnot, but that's inexcusable for that to happen during a game, and uh, Duke got screwed. But I'm not for you changing the results of a game to put Duke back in the uh, hunt as it is.
4: Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. To me, you know, obviously it it was clear that the knee was down after reviewing the play. And, and quite frankly, they took nine minutes to review it and, and then to kind of come up with that uh, decision at the end is pretty shocking. Um, going forward, you know, let's see if this is a game that maybe propels the Hurricanes. This is a team with some decent talent led by Joseph Yerby. Uh They didn't have Brad Kyle last week. Um, but, you know, like I said, this is a hurricane team with some talent, and sometimes you just need to get a win under your belt, whether you get it uh, in this fashion or not, to maybe propel them uh, going forward for the rest of the year.
0: It's interesting. I, I would have thought that uh, that what you guys are saying, not overturning this decision, would have been the consensus popular opinion. But from what I've heard out there, there's a lot of pretty big abundance out that say it should be done. It should be switched over in a play that's that egregious. That is the final play of the game, but I, I don't see it. I'm with you guys. It's you do that. And you open up, start opening up Pandora's box. Uh, you know, do you go back and and start reviewing flags and stuff like that? It's just uh, you got to let it stand with what's on the field. Although I would love to see it happen. Uh, it, it, the interesting angle to me is what the confusion with Vegas and that would have been. I don't think it would be anything now if they did it. Uh, it's too late. But if they would have went back the next day or something like that and switched it out, it, that would have been a lot of money switching hands with teasers and parlays and uh, the over-under in that game.
1: Any thoughts on the other games that are out there? Uh, do you think Temple should have maybe went for it on that last fourth and one with three minutes and not gave the ball back? to Notre Dame team that was starting to surge a little bit with Kaiser in that second half? Do you look at Minnesota with their time management call to play where you got three players going in motion? Or do you look at possibly Stanford um, giving that ball back, you know, to Washington State and allowing them to get in a position where they should have actually won that game? If he falls from those three. Yeah,
4: to, to me, you know, when you look at Minnesota and you look at Temple, you know, I, I think it was just a situation where both teams played well versus stronger competition. I think you can always look at, you know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, uh, you know, when it comes into gameplay. But, you know, this is a Temple defense that played pretty well and pretty much had Notre Dame uh, stuck to rights as far as – or dead to rights, I should say, um, you know, during during that second half. Um, I, I thought they played well, but but I also think that this is a really quality Notre Dame team. And in terms of, of Minnesota, you know, a lot of people said, yeah, give give the Gophers the first quarter and then Michigan uh, will take over. And, and you really didn't see that. I think Michigan obviously has more talent than Minnesota does, um, but they fought them hard all the way through. Now, obviously with Washington State, that was tough. You know, the one thing you could say about that game was they did leave themselves with, with a field goal. Their field goal kicker had made five field goals previously. This was a, a perfect opportunity um, as far as those games go, I don't, I don't necessarily think any of those were, were choke jobs, so to speak. Uh, on the other hand, if we do want to talk about a choke job, how about Thursday night uh, in Tempe, uh, the fighting Bercoviches uh, of Arizona State, the Sun Devils, seven up seven points. Uh, really tough to give give that game away. And, and you know, boys, I, I've given Mike Bercovici a lot of flack over the last couple of weeks. And, and to be honest with you, just watching the game, I said, let's Google search this kid. And, and actually, it, it, I feel bad kind of giving him a lot of flack uh, because he looks like he's a kid that, that gives back to the community, does a lot of charitable work, uh, and, and you love a, a student athlete that does things like that. That said, I, I can't put my money on this kid for the rest of the season he just does stupid things uh and and this is a coaching staff that I can't trust there's no way they should have lost that game to Oregon uh and the Ducks were lucky to to come out of there with a victory (laughs) yeah
2: I, I uh of all
0: those games I I think I look at the Minnesota game like in the Notre Dame game I think Notre Dame was obviously to me the better team uh, they outgained them by almost 200 yards. I think it was like 177, one something like that. Uh, but it, when you look at the
4: Michigan-Minnesota
0: numbers, that bonded Michigan defense uh, that everybody was so high on gave up 461 yards to Minnesota. 317 in the air to Minnesota. In the air to Minnesota. That's ridiculous. So, to me, Minnesota outplayed Michigan for most of the game. Uh, the turnovers were fairly even at two to one. So, uh, for them to go down there and be on the goal line and have mass confusion uh, and and not get the stoppage uh, and get organized, to me, was egregious. I I I can understand wanting to go quick and keep Michigan off balance. But they were confused. So uh to me that was
1: the joke job of the week,
0: uh, in college
1: football. Yeah, yeah, the Arizona State game. I mean, Mike Brecovici three times threw over the middle late and it had a couple balls tipped. You just thought that interception was coming, coming. Then he got down, got him down within time to score and then of course there it is. So uh uh, good to see that you have established the Mike Bercovici Congeniality Award, though, for
4: his community service. I'm <laughs> glad to hear that, and we're not just bashing him for his football play. Uh, uh, I'll give one- you the uh, – real quick, i gotta give I got to give Dee the What's Trending Award, on the other hand, with the amazing hashtag Bercovici, Gunna Uh That made me laugh out loud last <laughs> night. Well,
1: I knew you felt it was coming. It was almost like a time machine when you're waiting to see the guy's arm get chopped off. So, I mean, I knew you. And I felt it was coming, too. Um, You look at the other game that just the last takeaway for me this week, guys, is no defense in the Big 12, specifically that shootout between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Even Kirk Herbstreit, which we know his nerves aren't the best when uh, it comes to ghosts and goblins. But, (laughs) But, you know, That that game, it, it's almost to a point now where something's got to give out there, and uh, you see the committee showing them no respect, which we'll get to shortly, but those games aren't even fun to watch um, because if somebody's not going to even try to tackle somebody and guys are just running wide open, we're looking at arena league
4: football. Yes, honest to God, it's like it's
0: – no, go ahead. No, I was just yeah, going to say it real looks quick, like, honest, like, honest to God, it, it looks like it's flag football out there sometimes. Uh, it's like the, the you wave at them and trying to grab their flag rather than trying to tackle them, um, it, it, it's laughable at this point, and I think we saw that reflected in the poll this week. Uh, and you know, I mean, they're going to get their chances to play each other and knock each other off. But unless one of these teams start holding the other teams to under, I don't know, is it too much ask for thirty-five points uh, in wins? Uh, I don't know how you can take them too seriously, especially without a, a conference championship.
4: You know, the the last team that you got to look at as far as really throwing in a clunker, uh, and I only bring them up just based on their, their popularity across the country. How about this Texas Longhorn football team? Are they the Jekyll and Hyde squad of the millennium or what? Uh, you know, this is a team that, you know, came off a handful of really bad losses. They lost at Notre Dame by 35. They lose at home to Cal in a heartbreaker. Uh, they lose to Oklahoma State on a last-second field goal. They get throttled by TCU, and then there they go. You know, they they win a big game against Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. Uh, they smashed, uh Kansas State. Uh, you know, and then they go to Ames and throw in an absolute clunker, losing 24 nothing. Uh, to a Cyclone team that that isn't very good. Um, I think Charlie Strong really needs to find some consistency with this Longhorn team, uh, and I think it's a perfect opportunity with Kansas coming to town. But uh, let's see what happens to this Longhorn team going forward. Now, I don't know if the administration over there at Texas, the vaunted administration, likes what they see so far.
2: Jake, take a
3: Uh, you know, I I've, I look at the stuff that we
0: really haven't covered yet. The one glaring thing, well, two things. Uh, Sean McGuire uh, brings a different dynamic to Florida State that has been missing with Evergolson. Uh, he, he, I, I just like the way that it develops a downfield uh, passing attack, and we haven't seen it with Evergolson. It's going to open up so much more for that running game, uh, which is more than capable. It looks like Cook will be back this week, so. I'll be interested now to see if we'll see more Golson, more McGuire. If Golson does get his job back, will he have the quick hook? Uh, Jimbo Fisher's got some decisions to make because, to me, that offense ran better with Sean McGuire at quarterback than it ever did with Everett Golson. And then the one other thing I noticed too Mark Rick, I mean, I've rallied on him. Many railed on him many a time, um, it's finally time to go. I mean, you can't beat your rival. You can't even play with your rival right now, uh, turning the ball over a bunch of times, no no quarterback situation. You know, I feel for you that you lost Nick Chubb. But this team, year after year after year, is highly ranked, highly thought of, and then every year lets, lets everybody
3: down. And by this time, they are what they are, an unranked team.
2: I think you said it all there.
1: Uh, One more thing. Memphis better get their house in order if they want to be in a conversation with big boy football. Uh, And this brings me to the rankings. I think they're ranked a little too high, but we'll look at it. But being down two lane early, they did come back and win the game, but that was not a good look for Memphis. And is the committee now basing everything more on the style of play, rather than, you know, what the good football team is going to be. And other, one other thing, I think this college football committee is looking down the road trying to protect themselves by saying, oh, well, we had this team ranked high this year, rather than what they did last year was overvalue some teams. Um, they have two SEC teams in the top four, which is just a joke, because you have, you have them behind the Clemson team, which is undefeated, uh, who just beat, beat two good teams. And then you have an Ohio State team, which has done nothing but win their games, and they're one of the most talented teams in the country. No, they're not playing their best football, but the potential is there, and they got the best coach in college football. So I don't understand that. Um, and then you got an Alabama team in there. LSU is legit; they deserve to be in that top four. I mean, you could squabble about what number, but you got an Alabama team that lost to an Ole Miss team, that lost to a Memphis team, that Memphis team that struggled with Tulane. Ole Miss has struggled in games and been. Um, Jekyll and Hyde themselves, and an Alabama team who barely got by Tennessee and, you know, has struggled to identify what they're going to be good at on offense besides running the ball. And so, you know, Lane Kiffin and Jacob Coker, that combination is like oil and water. Some days it's okay, but if the sun is shining, you know, you're going to see a rainbow because uh, it's not playing well. That's a terrible analogy. I'm going to cut that. But nevertheless, in the top ten, you look at the Big 12 on the outside as well, uh, the college football committee really has a lot of explaining to do, and once again, they don't explain it well. Yeah, I think you hit it on the
0: head. This is my biggest complaint. Uh, it, it, the playoff committee is completely arbitrary. There is nothing out there that tells you how they're looking at teams, why they're looking at teams. Is strength of schedule, a tiebreaker? Uh, what's the weight of different things? Is the eyeball test the tiebreaker? Uh, it, it just seems so arbitrary. It, 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 these rankings really don't matter that much. Uh, it, it All this stuff's going to start taking care of each other. We saw where Ohio State came from last year. Uh, I, I look at a team like maybe even Oklahoma. If they run the table and beat Oklahoma State, uh, undefeated TCU, undefeated Baylor, they're going to start looking a little bit better all of a sudden as well, and some teams start falling off. Uh, it, it all depends on what happens above you uh, to a certain extent as well. But th- if there is one team that I'd be upset about if I were them, it would be the Florida Gators sitting at number 10. You know, you look at Alabama up there with one loss to Ole Miss who Florida State smashed, or I mean Florida Smash, and Florida's only loss is to the number two team in the country, LSU. Uh, so how Florida is ranked 10th and Alabama is ranked 4th who's Alabama really beating at this point to be ranked fourth? I mean, it, it's all the, the based on name recognition and what you've done in the past at this point to me uh, if you're going to put Alabama at that spot. So to me, Florida is the one team that I look at that has a beat with this
4: committee. Yeah, and, Drake, you said it best. You know, at the end of the day, um, Alabama has no business being fourth right now. Um, you know, But as we talked about, especially when things came out yesterday, uh, this is complete nonsense. There's no reason for there's no reason for there to even be uh a committee a rankings position at this point anyway. uh you know the one thing I will say is they have Clemson as the best team in the country, and I completely agree with that uh a team that ranks both uh, in the top ten in both offense and defense um yeah, Alabama shouldn't be uh in the final four. Uh, as of right now, obviously that could play out. Uh, but to me, somebody who bets on the point spreads uh, and likes to bet on the lines, boys, you know, I think this provides a good opportunity to maybe obtain some value on some teams that are undefeated. How about a team like Oklahoma State, who is just quietly run the table, improving week by week, sitting at 24-1 to 1 right now? And a really good opportunity. Obviously with their popularity – uh, this is a Notre Dame team uh, sitting at 18-1. to 1. Yes, they avoided the scare last week against Temple, uh, but they still have to go and play Stanford, have a handful of other difficult games on the horizon, uh, and they have some big wins against teams uh, like USC. So, you know, to me, uh, maybe some value out there on, on a few sleepers. If you like the Gators, if you feel good about them, Jake, I mean, heck, they're sitting at 40-1 to 1 right now. Uh, and you, you can bet your bottom dollar if they win the SEC, they are in no questions about it. Hey, you know, <laughs> I am oh. sorry, D. Go ahead. I,
0: I just wanted to real quick. I, I don't I, know I, a I, bit I, about Florida. It's just a matter of uh, that it, it just there's no transparency in this. We have no clue how this is being worked out. And now we we're sitting there with 12 members on the board, so we're look we could potentially be looking at all sorts of ties. So uh, to me this needs to be clarified, what what this criteria is. Every week that guy gets up there, uh, the Arkansas ADA, I can't remember his name, Jeff Long, uh, gets up there and vaguely answers as few questions as he possibly can.
1: Jeff Long might as well be in automaton time time because the guy gives us nothing. Um, and the point you made was what I was going to is my last point or my last you know, beef with this committee. Once again, the mechanics of the exact the, the mechanics of the committee are flawed again because they got 12 instead of 13 with Pat Hayden, the AD of USC, stepping down. Which, hey, he could stay on the committee for all I care. Why don't you step down from the AD of USC and do that program a favor, Pat Hayden? Um, but they're, so they're not even voting with the right amount of people that they're supposed to have, as outlined by their own by their own selves when the committee was started. So. That, that that's my, you know, little rant on that. Um so uh but I think they get the one thing that they want. They get people like me screaming, um and you know, you got programs all over the country upset and they put Clemson in a very precarious position because I think what they're trying to do right now is also pander to the college football ratings for these games coming up in the weeks. Um, we we, we look at some of the matchups coming down the road, you know, you got Clemson at Florida State this week. Uh, Florida's got a big game coming up later. The Alabama-LSU matchup, is great to have them number two and number four. Instead of letting these rankings organically come the way, uh, you, you think about the year that Alabama and LSU were both at the top and ended up having a rematch in the national championship. Even though nobody liked the BCS system, you know, it's the way it was, or Ohio State and Team Up North being, you know, one and two respectively. Yeah, it, You almost – you you missed those days because you thought these guys were going to look at the straight – you look at it right now, I mean, to have Florida behind Alabama is just a travesty. And I'll tell you this right now, Alabama's damn lucky they don't play Florida this year. They're damn lucky.
4: So um,
1: that that's my whole rant on the football
4: playoffs. So, so gentlemen, let's, let's close it out from here because we're about two-thirds of the way into the season. Uh, obviously, there's a long way to go. I don't want to know where you have your top four currently. What I want to know is who do you see as the final four teams getting into the playoffs come that final ranking to determine what the playoff is? Uh, Obviously, I'm putting you boys a little bit on the spot, so I'll give you guys mine first. Uh, The first team I have going in uh, are your boys Ohio State Buckeyes. This is a team that's continuing to improve. Uh, I do have Alabama going in uh, as the SEC champion. I have the Clemson Tigers getting in. Uh, and as my dark horse, I have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, as the fourth team of four.
1: I'll tell you right now, I see the Pac-12 being on the outside looking in. And I think you just spoke to that a little bit. Um, but, of course, you know, I have Ohio State in there. Clemson's road is easy if they get by Florida State this week, so they will be there. I like uh, LSU. I like them for the beginning of the year, even though we might have a difference of opinion when we get to the prediction game. Um, And then my last team to get into the final will be a Big 12 team. I think they actually make it this year, and I think that team is
2: Baylor.
3: Jake,
1: you're
2: on mute. Well, I'm actually with John here
0: on Notre Dame. I think they beat Stanford. I think they run the table, and I think they're always favored a little bit just because they're Notre Dame. Uh, so there's your tiebreaker for anybody that's matched up with Notre Dame. Uh, take notice, Baylor and TCU and whoever. Um, the only difference I have is I'm with you on this one. I think the SEC champion is LSU. Uh, I actually think that there's a big chance for an upset here this week. Um, and I I also have Clemson, and obviously I think Ohio State's going to run the table at this point. Uh so those are my four. Gentlemen my,
4: only concern, gentlemen, my only concern with the big twelve is once again this is a conference without a championship game. Uh and yep. if they really want to split hairs uh and choose a team that does not or choose teams that do not play in conference games or conference championships, uh that may be something that will have to change next season. Uh, if the Big 12 wants to get into this Final Four picture?
1: Well, I, I think they get in because the Pac-12 won't be in. I think the Pac-12 has done itself. You know, the the Northwestern loss really is is haunting Stanford. I mean, really haunting Stanford. I think that's going to be the difference because I think they do finish out that conference, but they won't get in even with that one. Even if they finish the Pac-12, they will not get in with that loss to Northwestern.
0: Well, no, I don't think either of us are picking the Pac-12 team. It comes down to that Notre Dame uh, uh, what is Notre Dame versus one loss Notre Dame with their one loss being an undefeated team in Clemson, the number one team in the country, and they were on the road and had them basically dead to rights to the last second. Um, how does that fare against an undefeated Baylor team that's given that's winning, but given up 40 points a game and doesn't get that last shot. That, that's where I think Notre Dame could get in over an undefeated big 12 team.
1: Well, but uh, you guys are going on the assumption that they beat Stanford, and I don't see that
0: happening. So, well, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely my assumption is that they beat Stanford.
4: I, I think I think you're you're both onto something. I think uh, that will be the the team that gets into that final fourth spot. Uh, it will be the winner of the Stanford Notre Dame game. Uh, what's interesting is uh, that is a game that is being played in Palo Alto, out in California. Uh, and if the Irish can get a win, that cements them uh, as a team uh, that is deserving. Um, On the other hand, if if Stanford wins it, now they can go to the Pac-12 championship game, uh, provide another quality victory, uh, and that would cement them. So to me, uh, I have one of those two teams uh, being the fourth. I just happen to believe it will be Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame has played – we're not getting that. They haven't played well on
1: the road, though. I mean, they, they've done enough to win. I mean, they came up short in Clemson, but that game, they should have lost that game. But that's, you know, I mean, that's still milk now. Yeah. Um, they outgained them
0: by 120 yards. I mean, they, they were the better team, I thought.
1: They outgained them, but they did not pass the Tech well. They did not, you know, stop the run well. I mean... They, their secondary looked terrible, too. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it was a hell of a game. Let me say this. Yeah. I thought Apple's that was a good This team. was actually a great Saturday of college football last Saturday. So, yeah, mean, the, I, the,
0: night, the evening was. The day really stunk, but I was surprised. I thought it was going to be terrible. It actually turned out to be a pretty entertaining evening.
1: All right, let's get into this week's game, the college football Week 10 schedule. John, give us your quick picks on these games for the prediction game. We start with Stanford and Colorado.
4: Uh, to me, uh, Stanford is way too physical for this Colorado squad. Uh, they competed well against UCLA, but UCLA is a style much more conducive to Colorado's style of play. Uh, the Cardinal are not. Uh, look for them to really pound the football against the Buffaloes. Uh, I like them minus the 16 points. Here guy, Mike Percovici goes to Folsom, Arizona State versus Washington State. Yeah, I'll, I'll never bet Mike Bercovici again, um, at least probably won't. Uh, to me, this is a Washington State team uh, who who showed that they can compete uh, against the echelon uh, of the Pac-12, uh, and now you're only laying two-and-a-half. I think that's cheap. Uh, I'll take Mike Leach's Cougars. Here,
1: Cincinnati Bearcats go in to take on the Houston Cougars
4: yeah this is a really solid Houston Cougar team, in my opinion, and I can't step in front of them at home to me. Cincinnati's a solid squad, but they're kind of what you would call a gate- uh, gatekeeper type team uh somebody not elite uh, but will compete. Uh, I think these are two teams that will put up bunches of points above a line at seventy two and a half. I like the over Utah versus Washington uh, is Utah out of gas? Uh, To me, I'm not really sure about this team right now. Uh, I can't lay points uh, with UW, but I'm not ready to play the Utes. Uh, I'll watch this one closely, um, but no plays for me. TCU versus Oklahoma State. I really like the Cowboys at home, plus four and a half points. I think they're the better team, and uh, like I said, getting points at home, uh, I'll take that. I don't think this TCU defense is all that good. Clemson versus Florida State. A lot of variables in this one. You know, I kind of like Clemson at home, but you have to look at a couple questions. Number one, will Davin Cook play? Uh, will it be uh, Deshaun uh, Golson? I'm sorry, Everett Golson uh, or McGuire the backup? If it's McGuire, I know he looked, last, uh, looked pretty good last week against Syracuse, um, but now teams will have film on him. Um, and when you have that, typically you see a little bit of regression. Uh, if it's McGuire, I kind of like the Tigers minus twelve and a half. Uh, if it's Golson and Cook, uh, no play. Uh, I'll just take Clemson to win.
1: All right, uh, we talked about it briefly on the tenth uh, unit report, but I know you. I would like to get the outside perspective. Um, J.T. Barrett gets no OBI on Ohio State's bye week. Probably the worst thing to happen to Ohio State this year. <laughs> the biggest loss they've taken. Um, since Corey Thomas went down with a broken leg. You know, my thoughts on the situation is, uh, uh, you know, he was suspended one game by the university and is now looking at a possible suspension of his summer scholarship. Um, I don't agree with either of those. I believe the university has once again handled this poorly. Uh, Gene Smith, to me, is one of the worst athletic directors in the country. I've said it time and time again. I've had big problems with this guy since he didn't self-imposed sanctions, but we're not going to go all the way back through the history of everything. Long story short, they should have gave him the standard underage policy, which would have been a two-game suspension or a two-week suspension, and, you know, not cut his summer scholarship. When it comes to the football side of things, I don't see any problem. I'm fine with a guy that's a 10-0 no starter at Cardale Jones. If the if the car goes a little chunky but it gets us from A to B, I'm fine with it, and I think they would get by whoever they're playing, Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State. doesn't matter to me.
4: Yeah, to me, obviously, it was really stupid. And, you know, typically you hear from coaches, especially on the bye week, don't do anything dumb. Uh, don't put yourself in these types of positions. And, and these are the kind of things that happen during those bye weeks. To me, from what I understand about the scholarship suspension, this is something that he can earn back, gentlemen. So they're not going to completely take it away, uh, but it will be something that he'll have to earn. Uh, You know, Sometimes you can turn a negative into a positive. I'm sure um, community service and a handful of things like that will come into play uh, for a guy like J.T. Barrett, and hopefully he learns from it. Uh, Obviously, nobody was hurt, which was a good thing. Um, But the hope is, uh, like I said before, that this is something that he learns from. He doesn't make the same mistake twice uh, and run into a situation uh, like other athletes have had in the past.
2: Yeah, and you've said it. Everybody's
0: against drunk driving. Uh, But it happened. um, it, It was one of the stupidest decisions he's ever made. Uh, to me, it, it it just goes to show, you know, you have this uh, image in your head of what an athlete, is, you know, you kind of like to think through social media, through all these other outlets and uh, beat reporters, you get a pretty good gauge in your mind for who these people are. And the fact that he's the quarterback for the Ohio State University, just got the job, uh, voted captain, it, it just was a little shock to the system that it was him that it happened to Um So, in that regard, uh, I think there's a little bit more – I I guess that perception is there. He has a little bit more leeway, and people are able to give him a little bit more uh, rope in in this situation. Um, So, it's just an unfortunate situation. And like you said, John, you just hope he learns from it. It's never a problem again. And it's a life lesson that goes on to make him a better man.
1: All right, gentlemen, let's go in the book. College football weekend, best bets. We're going in the book with Jake and John. For the Hey
4: D, real quick real quick before we do that, can I uh can I just give you a quick touch on Alabama LSU? Oh yeah, my
1: bad, skip
0: that
4: one. Alabama versus LSU.
0: Yeah, get Utah and Washington in there too, John. You got
4: two there. I you know what I, I did that one. Um, I oh, did didn't you have I'm an sorry. opinion? Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have an opinion. Um, okay. So w- when you're talking about Alabama, and, you know, I feel like I, a broken record, so to speak. Uh, to me, I found that this is a Crimson Tide team that that is a relatively easy handicap for me. Uh, teams that like to run the ball and specifically run north and south are teams that play right into Alabama's quality. Uh, And, you know, when you look at the Alabama-Georgia game earlier in the year, uh, they stopped Nick Chubb, and they put the uh, game on Grayson Lambert, which obviously turned ugly uh, out there in Athens, Georgia. I think this is something that you're going to see similar. They're going to try to make Harris beat them uh, from that perspective. And I'm not sure this is a quarterback in Brandon Harris that can beat uh, the Crimson Tide. Uh, To me, I feel like they do their best to stop Leonard Fournette. Uh, And in the process, uh, they make their quarterback beat them. I don't think he can do it. I think laying less than a touchdown uh, is a good value. I'll take the Crimson Tide to not only win, but cover. All
1: right. Let's go in the book with Jake and John for this week's
2: Best Bets in College Football.
1: Okay. Welcome back inside the book. It's been a couple
0: weeks here, John, uh, since we've done the podcast version Posted a few plays over the last couple weeks. Um, You know, let let's start with this one. We talked in the podcast, the college football preview podcast, earlier that this Duke team and what happened with Miami. uh, How does this affect? I mean, you look at this line; they're playing North Carolina at UNC this week, and right now, Duke's getting eight points. Uh, UNC comes in off a win against Pitt. Uh, you know, they, they just outmatched them completely. But does this give Duke maybe a little bit extra motivation to, to maybe get the job done here? And does UNC do Larry Fedora and UNC things in this game?
4: You know, to, to me, coming off of a heartbreaking loss, you, you almost look at it as a flat spot for Duke. Um, but on the other hand, it's a rivalry game. Uh, So to me, um, you know, obviously I I still think that you get uh, a good effort from this Duke team, um, but they may be in over their heads with this North Carolina team who have quietly played uh, some really quality football under the radar. Uh, This is a team that's not only playing good offensively, um, but really picking things up uh, on the defensive side of the ball as well uh, with, oh, my God, uh, Gene Chizik as their defensive coordinator um, to me, there may be some value with the Tar Heels minus Duke. Okay, I
0: actually, I, I'm, I, I think that to me, there's a lot of different things. I think Duke, it, it's not as much as a heartbreaking letdown as it's angry that it happened, and we're going to go out and rectify it. And like you said, it's a rivalry game. You give me this many points, they get a team that constantly shoots itself in the foot. And watching that game last week against Pitt, it was one of those games where they actually didn't uh, do anything disastrous and covered pretty easily. Uh, I, I think this is the week we see that rear its ugly head. And uh, to get eight points in this rivalry game, uh, I'm going to take the dookies here. Uh, let, let's uh,
4: take a look. Go ahead. Did you want to follow that up? All I would suggest is I would assume that you'll probably get more sharp action from the Tar Heel side than from the Duke side. Um, And I think you'll also see a public sentiment. Oh, this is a team down on their luck. Uh, If you like uh, the Duke Blue Devils, you may want to wait until game day as this line probably will go up. You might get 10.
0: Okay, yeah, definitely good information. Always when you're betting games, you want to try to get the best numbers. Uh, If you have the ability to shop different books, that's obviously the best way to to go about doing that. Um, You know, we're recording this uh, on Wednesday, so Thursday already happened. But I, I think if there's one team that's a little disrespected other than Florida, it might be Baylor. And, Kansas State this week, I mean, it's always a Thursday night, night game. Bill Snyder, Kansas State, uh, it's the broken record. And, yeah, it happens a lot with upsets. But this team's been put through the meat grinder in the last four weeks, having to play Oklahoma State, TCU, Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, and now they get Baylor, who's got a chip on their shoulder. Seventeen and a half. and it, it's... I don't see Baylor kicking many field goals. So until this thing gets to 18 or 18-and-a-half, I would feel comfortable laying the 17-and-a-half. Kansas State just can't do much on either side of the ball at this point, I don't think.
4: Yeah, unfortunately, I just can't bet Kansas State in any way, shape, or form. I can make a case for them in the sense that, hey, this is a game for Kansas State. Uh, that really is their Super Bowl. Okay. You look you look at Kansas State, who's their rival, Kansas, they're no good. You know they're gonna rickroll them. So to me, you have a primetime game on a Thursday night, you have Baylor coming in with their backup quarterback. Sure the uh the backup seems to be just as credentialed as the starter, um, you know, but you've seen it in so many situations. You had an Auburn team that was on the verge of making the college football playoff uh, last year before they fell Uh, at the end of the year, uh, really have a tough time playing K-State at home. Uh, TCU, they came in there, uh, really had to battle to the end against this Kansas State Wildcat team. Uh, And again, when you have a Thursday night game, all eyes on this Wildcat team, uh, you know you're going to get the best effort out of Kansas State. I can't step in front of Baylor. If I have to make a case for a team, it is Kansas State, uh, but it's a no play for me. Sorry, I didn't yeah, exactly and actually, told me not to do.
2: <laughs> no,
0: no, no, that's fine. No, you're good. Um, actually, I mean, you bring up the, the quarterback situation at Baylor and uh, Stedham, Jared Stedham is actually the first five-star quarterback to come into the Baylor. So Art Browse has been doing this. I mean, I know we've seen what RG3 ended up being, uh, Seth Russell now the most recent. It seems like it's Pretty much a plug and play, and now you add the ability to run the ball like RG3 used to be able to do. Uh, I, I think it might end up being an upgrade, despite the fact he's a true freshman. He did get in there early, so he, he got that extra time uh, to get familiar with the with the program. So um, I, I actually think Stidham may eventually here turn into an upgrade, and I don't see a big drop off anyway on this week.
4: Jake, this is the the in-the-book section here With an Ohio Bias. I uh, propose a a question to you. I'd love to know your opinion on this. Uh, Obviously, as you said, this is a five-star quarterback, the first to come into Baylor with Art Browse. This is a guy that seems like he's going to stay here for a while uh, and continue to improve this program. And, man, talk about a Baylor team where 10 years ago they were uh, a 56-point underdog at Oklahoma, uh, now leading this conference uh, and becoming really one of the higher echelon teams. Uh, let me pose a question. In the next five years, if I gave you eight to one, would you say Baylor wins a national championship in the next five years?
0: I, I would say no. Uh, and part of the reason is I don't think Art Briles will be there in two years. So you've got a two-year window. Um, and to me, until they get a conference championship game, uh, until the the rest of the conference starts catching up defensively uh, and and can start shedding some of that stereotype with from them, it, it, I think it's going to be tough for the, for them to do. I just don't see a Baylor offense uh, being able to play against an Ohio State or an Alabama or an LSU and be able to score as many points as they do. And on the flip side. I don't see how a Baylor defense is stopping any of these teams as well. So I I think when you get into, if they were to get into a college playoff, I think the big 12 would be exposed pretty quick.
4: You know, the only thing I would say about that, Jake, is I think this is a very underrated Baylor defensive squad. Um, I know you don't see a lot of that just because they put up points in bunches. uh, And this is a defense that tends to be on the field longer than most defenses. So they wear out a little bit. Uh, But if you look at the recruiting, uh, Art Browse is not just recruiting offense. He's recruiting quality defensive players. Uh, One that I believe is going in the first round. I forget his name, but he's a defensive tackle. Uh, He'll be out in the first round this year. Look for Baylor's defense to continue to improve. And to me, um, I I think Art Browse stays, and you may see this Baylor-Bear team uh, become one of the standards in college football as time goes on. Sean Oakman is the guy you're talking about. There he is, yes
2: sir, Sean Oakman. Yeah. Well, very good. We'll,
0: we'll time will tell on uh, on Baylor here the next five years and the Big Twelve in general uh, as, as they move forward. I, I think for the Big Twelve, uh, Oklahoma needs to be. It, it, I, they the, Oklahoma and Texas, these, these guys need to get back more prominent. I know Oklahoma this year is still. Uh, hanging around, but uh, it, it just seems like every year they they let you down as well. Um, moving on, there's, there's another game I wanted to mention, and that's Michigan State uh, at Nebraska. Uh, another angry fan base, angry team felt disrespected against the Nebraska team that with five turnovers last week uh, against a team like Purdue in their own building, Uh, I don't know how it could get much worse. Mike Riley, as I've said many times, is a terrible coach. Um, Michigan State only laying five and a half, maybe six, depending on where you're getting it. Uh, It seems like there's some value on Michigan State, knowing that they're going to have to start winning impressively uh, because there's a chance that an undefeated Michigan State team that's winning ugly every week may not even get into the, the final four.
4: Yeah, yeah. To me, I think this is a tough game to handicap, just because again, you're getting a Nebraska team with a backup quarterback. Backup quarterback didn't play terrible last uh, last week. 29 of 48, 407 yards. He had four touchdowns. Yes, he had four interceptions as well, um, but he seemed to be able to kind of step right in and be able to play. Uh, to me, Lincoln is an interesting place, um, especially when you have to go on a road, uh, go on the road and win. Uh, and you really haven't seen Michigan State show their um, biggest quality on the road. Yes, they did beat Michigan, but they did it in uh, funky sorts, so to speak. To me, um, I think there might be a little bit of value, believe it or not, getting a little bit of a bounce-back effort uh, against Michigan State. I mean, you look at it in full circle. (laughs) You, You play Purdue on the road last week knowing that you have the Spartans coming into town. Uh if that's not a look ahead spot, I don't know what is.
2: All right, John. And uh what do you what else you got uh maybe under the radar,
4: maybe just uh something else you may like on the card this week. A couple games that, that jump out at me and I'm gonna be quick, gentlemen, because I know we've we've kind of extended ourselves previously. Um Auburn getting seven and a half in college station taking on Texas A and M. To me, these are two teams going in different directions, uh, and I'll take the team going in the right direction, and that's the Auburn Tigers. Um, I I really like what I see uh, out of this Auburn team, specifically with their quarterback, Sean White. He seems to uh, definitely be an upgrade over their previous quarterback, Jeremy Johnson, Uh, and I think Gus Malzahn is kind of figuring out what it takes uh, this season, as he uh, seemingly always does Um, As the year goes on, this is a Tiger team that typically gets better. uh, And to me, getting seven and a half points seems like a real value with the Tigers, uh, and I'll take them as a road underdog. Uh, Another road underdog in conference, how about the Vanderbilt Commodores? Uh, This was an ugly uh, loss team last week. They went into the University of Houston uh, and were absolutely throttled uh, by the Cougars Uh, They go into Florida, they're undefeated, but they have similar styles. This is not a prolific Florida offense. Uh, And for me, uh, I think this is a much better correlation uh, as far as what Vanderbilt does well, as far as stopping the run, doing what they do. Uh, When you get 21 points, I think that's a good opportunity. And again, I talked about correlations. Uh, You might want to also correlate taking the points with betting the under uh, maybe if you can get 38.5, that may be some good value. Look for this game to maybe be somewhere in the variety of 20-7 uh, to 7, uh, or 23-10, uh, something in that nature. I don't see Vanderbilt putting up too many points, but I think they're going to try to stop Florida from doing what they do well. A um, couple other games, uh, Notre Dame minus 8.5 versus Pitt. I feel like the Panthers play right into what the Irish do best. Uh, you know, the Irish can stop the north-south run in the trenches. Teams that typically throw on the Irish tend to give them more problems, and you're not going to see that out of Pitt too much, uh, even with their wide receiver, Boyd. Uh, I don't think you'll see Pitt be able to move the football up and down the field uh, as successfully. Uh, people remember what they see last. Uh, and you saw, you know, Notre Dame really have to battle against the good Temple team. I just don't think Pitt is in the same quality as that Owl squad. Uh, Plus the game uh, at Heinz Field, 70,000 seats. There will be tons of Notre Dame fans, so I see little to no home field for the Panthers. Uh, I like Notre Dame minus 8.5. I also like Arizona plus 20 uh, against the USC Trojans. Uh, Yeah, you saw it last week. (laughs) This is a, a Wildcat team that really threw in a clunker Uh, against Washington in Seattle, only got three points on the scoreboard. Um, But I look for a rebound here. Um, I know the uh, Trojans have some prolific offense, um, but they did lose Juju Smith-Schuster, their top wide receiver and and one of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, I look for them to maybe need a week or two to kind of get things settled in uh, without Smith-Schuster. And with the new Solomon, I mean, I know they only scored three points last week, I expect them to put a bunch more points on the board uh, and keep this one closer than the 20-point point spread. The last one that I have is uh, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV, minus 10 points against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. This is a Hawaii team that I just cannot bet right now. Uh, they, they have really struggled. Uh, they head back to the mainland this week after being completely dismantled at home by Air Force. They were absolutely crushed. They're tired, they're beat up, and they're heading to Vegas going back to the mainland, I believe, for the sixth time this year. Um, and when you have to go from the islands back to the mainland over and over, really wears on you with the time and the travel uh, and everything that comes with it. Um, on the other hand, this is a Rebel team. They played Boise to the brim for three quarters, they gave up 28 in the fourth, and they really struggled, and they really gave that game away. Um, but to me, I look for a big rebound. So, again, if you look at my different plays, Vanderbilt coming off of a tough loss, Arizona coming off of a tough loss, UNLV coming off of a tough loss. I want teams that the other players typically don't want to bet, and this is usually when you see a value at this time of the year. You want to bet on teams that can play but that other people don't want. That's usually where you can find the most value.
2: All right, that sounds good. Uh, Just a quick recap. Uh,
0: I like Duke this week uh, to steal the line from Coach K. Uh, I like Michigan State over Nebraska. John likes Auburn. Vanderbilt, the Golden Domers. Arizona Wildcats, and the Running Rebels of UNLV. So those are your picks. Follow if you'd like. Uh, we are not responsible for you losing your money. But design, follow, as John always says, fade
2: or follow. And as I say, keep cashing.
4: Yes, sir.
1: Jake, I know you wanted to get in there for the regular show, so we might as well do it. I think there's one last choke job award, and we might as well get the parting gifts ready for a gentleman in Lincoln, Nebraska, as they go down to Daryl Hazel at the Purdue Boilermakers.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, it, it, choke job does too much justice to what happened in Nebraska. It was just a beatdown, really, by Purdue Boilermakers uh, turning the ball over five times. Uh, being outgained at home. It, it's week after week from Nebraska. They show signs of life, and they pull defeat the out of the jaws of victory. Um, it's a poorly prepared team, in my opinion. They're sloppy. Uh, it, it's just a bad situation. Uh, and it, it, I, it, the athletic director and Bo Pelini couldn't get along, and now you have a, a downgrade from Bo Pelini. Those 10 and eleven Those 10 win seasons and nine win seasons, uh, they're going to be few and far between. If you stick with with Mike Riley for much longer, um, you're going to be begging for Bo Pelini to come back to Lincoln and take back over the black shirts. Um, unfortunate, because uh, college football is a better place when Nebraska is uh, a good football team. Um, but I don't see that being being the case for quite a while.
1: Well, I think that job is on an island. I mean, you think about a job that really is on an island the Hawaii Rainbows fire, Norm Child, but who wants to go now and, you know, recruit all the way to Lincoln, considering all the other programs and jobs coming up this cycle out of here? So Nebraska finds himself in a real tough spot. I mean, do you, can you even bring Mike Riley back, and do you want to get into the hiring business with all the other premier jobs that are out there right now and to the ones to come? I mean, we're only, you know, to the 10th week of college football, and there's still going to be some more people fired. I'll tell you what. If I
0: was Nebraska, I'd be making a phone call to Houston right now. But didn't you know, they, you
1: not, did, did they interview? This is just off the. I, didn't they interview Tom Herman for that job and then pick Mike Riley?
0: I'm not 100 percent sure. To be honest with you, I don't know I how that I went down. I think that's what
1: happened. I think, I, or he didn't get to interview one or the other. That's why he took the Houston job. He really wanted the Nebraska job. Yeah, and an I 12 guy being out of Iowa State. Right, it would be it would be a
0: pay upgrade. He's familiar with recruiting in the conference, uh, and also now he has some ties to that area, which is actually where Nebraska should be recruiting from. Um, so, I, I to me, my uh, Tom Herman would make perfect sense
4: at, at Nebraska. Anything you else guys, you
2: guys?
4: To get in here? You guys brought up being on an island. I have some serious concerns about this University of Hawaii team. Uh, not only this season, but really going forward. You know, I, I touched about, it, I touched on it uh, in the in the book section uh, uh, coming up uh, this Friday. Uh, this is a team that has to go on the road uh, six times this year uh, at UNLV. Now, uh, if you look at the schedule, at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, at Boise, uh, at New Mexico, at Nevada, and at UNLV, all in separate trips. Uh, And and why is it, gentlemen, that they do this? Well, for simple reasons. Um, Because the the athletic fund is not there in Hawaii and the football team has to supplement the volleyball team and the basketball team and every other team that they have there, Uh, it's a real problem, and I feel like Hawaii is taking the blunt of that. Uh, On top of that, they're just not getting the recruiting uh, that you typically got. You know, this was a prolific recruiting Uh, state uh, or university, uh, especially in the June Jones era, and you start to look at some other universities like the USC's, like the Washington's, uh, you know, this was a Hawaii team that was getting kids from the American Samoa, that were getting kids uh, from the islands. And and now you see some more of these Pac-12 teams. You see the Utah's, the BYU's starting to realize, hey, there's some talents here. And now you're you're really getting those second-best talents To come to Hawaii and play these games, I have some serious concerns uh, about this university football team, and you may see it, and it's sad to say, but uh, you may see the University of Hawaii football team uh, become extinct uh, just because they can't uh, keep the money and the financials together.
2: Yeah, it, it feels like they're lo-
0: they're losing money on these plane trips. I think they did 14,000 miles in 3 weeks between Ohio State, back to the island, and then to Wisconsin and back to the island. So, uh just crazy travel. I I it's uh, a a tough tough uh spot every year for Hawaii in in that situation. But I guess you also have the home field advantage on the island. Uh you, you got to be able to recruit to Hawaii at some level. Uh I, I I don't get it because June Jones did have that program going good uh, when Timmy Chang was there and they were playing in BCS Bowl. So um, it's Norm Chow's a good guy and a good coach, but not the right not the right guy for the job. It appears. Didn't you got to get a guy with some energy uh, for Hawaii? I think. Well, I guess you, know, you, you
4: got you... things going on at Louisville oh,
1: now. I was just about to make a joke. <laughs>
4: You know, you look at you look at a big guy like Danny Shelton. Yeah, he's from, you know, Washington, but this is a guy with Samoan culture uh, going to Hawaii uh, with, with lots of Samoan ties would have been a perfect opportunity for them. Uh, this is a kid that didn't even consider the University of Hawaii. Uh, and really, those are the kind of guys that you've got to get uh, if you're going to continue to keep this program going, and I just don't see how they're going to do that. Anyway, we can be done talking about Hawaii. My apologies, gentlemen.
2: No,
1: we're all right. Any, anything else you think we're missing in college football this week?
4: Anything else you guys want to get in there?
0: No, I'm pretty comfortable with what we got. But,
4: who does Ohio State play this week? I don't even know. Minnesota. I've been so out of it. We didn't even talk about that game. I don't know if we even need to talk about it. They're going to throttle Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota Minnesota lost it. Cool.
1: Minnesota lost it all when they didn't win that game against Michigan, honestly. I mean those players well, are so down. They looked like they lost I mean, they looked like somebody told them Jerry Keel died. Not to be funny, but
4: and I was cool, worried about cool. that
1: guy's health too. See,
4: they they blew their load against Michigan. I mean that was that was a play for Jerry game and, and now well, on the
1: half yard line after that pass I just remembered the exact scenario. The half yard line after the pass interference call With 20 seconds to go, you call a play with three different people going in motion with no timeouts left. It makes no sense. Even if they would have snuck the ball, they could have got back up and killed it one time because they had a pass third. So they had all four down. They should at least got three plays off, at least two. I mean, better than what they got off. It just was terrible, terrible. And, 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 And that's a coach putting kids in a bad position. But considering the week and everything that happened. Um, the guy just shrank to the moment, and uh, I think it's going to be very hard to prove why that guy should keep that job there. As a, they take the get the as he tries to get the administration, which doesn't have an athletic director because of the sexual harassment scandal, who had to be removed, um, try to get the, the administration and the university to take the interim tag off of him as coach to keep that job.
4: So, you you asked me, and to be truthful, I gave you a half-assed response. I took Minnesota plus thirteen, and that was never in doubt. And I, I didn't even watch the game. To be honest with you, I was pretty I was pretty intrigued by Notre Dame and Temple. Uh, that that was a hell of a ball game. I mean, boys, this Temple team is for real. I know they lost, but man, uh, Matt Rule has got that team going in the right direction, and and I hope that they can make a successful transition from P.J. Walker as a guy who went to an American Athletic Conference school. Um, it, it's awesome to see Memphis and Houston and, and Temple and a Cincinnati team that I don't think is bad be the fourth uh, fourth best team in that conference. It's pretty amazing. Um I, I hope that uh, you know if the playoff goes to eight, maybe they could stick the American in the power, call it the power six or something like that, move a few teams that have some oh, quality go, like the
1: If it was eight this year, if it was eight this year, one of those teams would make it in there.
4: Like, if yeah.
1: Memphis, you know, can hold on past Houston. Houston's too low in the rankings to me right now. See, that's another. Like, see, the thing is, I could get real, you know, complaining about a lot of things in these rankings. I mean, Houston's way too low well considering what they've done. But if Houston beats Memphis or vice versa, that team
2: needs to be in the top 10.
4: What do you think about Paxton Lynch at the NFL level? Say again. Paxton Lynch at the NFL level. Uh, like Six, eight, rock. whatever he oh, is. That, that's
1: what I wanted to ask, rock, guys.
4: Rock Will it you on. do this
1: for me? Give me your top five worst quarterbacks. I did a top five worst quarterbacks. So like, I had a couple of years when I was watching uh, that last oh, game. No. I got so pissed off. And, like, some guy got all upset on Twitter. I mean, this guy was all been out of shape. You know what I'm saying? Because I said Everett Golson was the worst. Because my thing was, considering what they had to do as an offensive system. They are not even running, like, one like ten percent of what they were running with Jameis, and this guy Eric Golson was off a year from football, doing nothing but professionally training as a quarterback, and literally has regressed worse. Um, and it's just it. Uh, there's nothing else you can say. The guy just doesn't have it, you know. Between the ears, I like the guy's perseverance, but he just doesn't have it. Also, on that list, I think I had who else? Uh, sure.
4: or, or how about how about this gentleman? Who's the best quarterback in the SEC? <laughs> Uh, you got to say Brandon Harris, honestly. Brandon Josh Harris not. is the best
1: Josh quarterback
2: not. in the SEC. I, think
4: I, I would go maybe Kyle Allen from A and M. I don't no, know. Really. he gets replaced
0: I by the other Kyle yeah, Allen guys, or whatever Merck. The hell his name is.
4: <laughs> <Murph>. <laughs> guys, I, I, Brandon Allen or uh, Brandon Harris cannot be the best quarterback in in I mean, the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, Nah, it's tough for Tilly. me. You could say Chad Tilly. Yeah, maybe. I think that that might be the best one, and that's pretty sad.
1: That's
4: Jeff Jeff Tolles. <laughs> oh, Patrick Tolles, you mean? <laughs> yeah, Patrick Tolles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. That's what I meant. Patrick Tolles. You're thinking of Je- – oh, uh, 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 no, maybe not, maybe not. Um, Jeff Brom. Or yeah. Brian Brom <laughs> of Louisville. <laughs> oh, my God. This is getting out of hand, boys. Um all right, I gotta get out, guys.
0: I hate to do it, but I, I got an early wake-up me, call for to go lift furniture all day.
4: All right. Yeah. Well, no, gentlemen, right. I like I said, I appreciate it. Real quick, I'm I'm just gonna throw something your direction and um, I I had a cut not only am I dealing with this divorce crap, but I had a couple buddies of mine pass away. And D, I know I'm friends with you on Facebook, um, but I don't think I am with you, Jake. Um, I'm training to do like a 5K run in their memory. Uh, and I'm raising a couple of dollars uh, for these two guys. I had a 31-year-old buddy die of cancer and a 47-year-old buddy who had a heart attack. He's got three kids. Uh, and I'm raising money. All the proceeds are going towards uh, these two families' foundations. Um, if you guys could throw a few bucks towards the foundation, it's a GoFundMe thing. Uh, you can find it on Twitter. I'd really appreciate or on Facebook. Uh, I'll also post it on my Twitter. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, two bucks, three bucks, five bucks, whatever you have. Uh, and then everybody that donates, I'm throwing their name on my shirt so that when I run, uh, your name is there so that uh, you're kind of running it with me. So if you have it, uh, if you can spare going to Starbucks or buying a soda and throw a couple bucks in my direction, I'd really appreciate it. But I understand times are tough, too, especially with everything going on, Jake. I, I understand. So... Um, if you can, yes. so I hear you.
0: Why, why don't you also send us, uh, or, or uh, tag us on you know a tweet or a Facebook it. post and we'll, we'll
4: retweet it and post Yeah, it. that would, that would, that would be awesome. I would, I would certainly appreciate, appreciate that. Um, yeah, if, uh, I, I think I've raised something like 400 bucks. So that sends like 200 bucks to each of their foundations, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, um, and big 6 foot 5 guy having to run it's, it's not the easiest thing for me but I'm making it happen so
0: make um, sure you get like the a, the
4: peri,
0: get the periscope app and you're going to have to do periscope <laughs> for, <laughs> while, while you're running a little bit I don't I don't so I do think you want to do that. We
4: think don't a true think we want to do that for
0: what it's like to
4: be running on your back <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to take a I'm going to take a before <laughs> and after and I don't think the after is going to look as pretty as the before but we'll see. we'll see what happens. Gentlemen, like I said, I'm dealing with a lot of shit, but I, I value meeting with you guys and, and doing this. And, hell, I'd like to do hoops with you guys in the winter, too, if that's something you guys are interested in. But, uh, yeah, I I'm trying to figure it out right now. You see
1: I'm fast and furious on these NBA tweets, like uh, Cavs or something like that. or And then, like, we didn't do a good job with college basketball last year, but it's just the timing of everything. It's just, you know... Um, it's just figuring out the best format and then getting it, you know, scheduled
4: up and being able to stick to it. So, uh, and, and I I don't really care a whole lot about my Twitter and how many followers that I have, but uh, I do try to promote you guys. And if I see something funny, I'm always retweeting your stuff. Or when, when all of the JT Barrett bullshit was coming out on Saturday, I was trying to plug you guys. You guys were retweeting the funniest shit that I had ever read. Oh, that well, that's the thing. Like you know, you know how people put up that shit in their profile. Like, oh please no, please yeah, I believe me. Like my
1: opinion. Like it, I just had to expose some of these people because these were the same people, John, that just three weeks ago were screaming JT Bayard is the savior of the Ohio State football program. I couldn't believe how in one morning everybody had turned on this guy within an hour of the news coming out. Like yeah, you know, like I don't know, it no, funny.
4: it wasn't that people were. It wasn't that people were turning on him. I thought some of some of the excuses that people had for why he did it were like some oh, of yeah, the yeah, funny. It was it was, there, yeah. it was it was a mix of both, man. It was like people that were throwing him to the wolves, and then there were people that were like, "Well, it wasn't his fault that he whatever." Like, and you were you were retweeting like a mix of both. It was like perfect. It was freaking hilarious. But yeah, well, my either thing way. Is,
1: You know, I'll retweet anybody's thing because first of all, it's free too. It gets other yep. people. You know, get the response out of. So you know, it's just I don't know. Yeah, I, have to, I mean, I, I that's the whole please. thing. of you know how I feel about it. But, you, uh, get,
4: you guys do a hell of a job with the with Ohio bias thing. So, um, yeah, you're you are definitely one of the most entertaining follows on Twitter that I follow. So, props to you guys for that. So, anyway, well, I'll let people you know. All.
1: Thanks,
4: man. all right, man. Take
1: care, John.
4: I'll see y'all later. Take care. Bye bye.
1: All right, see you I'll time. get it up as soon as possible, man.
4: All right, brother.
1: All right. Um,
0: so, so I'm I all know Hall. W-
1: I meant to tell you, I'm all over this guy. Have you talked to Hall
0: since I went on yes. the
1: list on him? Speaking of which, yeah. And I dig. I dug a little
0: deeper tonight into that trade.
1: Uh-huh. Okay,
0: let, listen to some of this other bullshit that goes on. First of all, Gary Barnage plays tomorrow, so he couldn't have used Gary Barnage this week anyway. So he would still. He would have had to have picked up a tight or used Jason Witten this week. Second of all, Carson Palmer's on a buy this. Week. So if he trades Aaron Rodgers, that means a team desperate for a win's got to go on the waiver wire and instead of playing with Aaron Rodgers, play Jake Cutler or Teddy Bridgewater.
3: Thirdly, uh-huh.
0: thirdly, the two players coming back to my brother are still have their buys ahead of them. Meanwhile, Rodgers and Wynn have already had their buys. So that 40 point disparity is just discrepancy between the, the the trade, It conservatively, if you add those three games, Barnage, uh uh one game for Rogers and one game for um uh, Witten, it, it's really like ninety point difference. So it'd be the equivalent of trading like Julio Jones for Jarvis Lantry. Yeah, when you, you, you do so when you look at that. And then finally, I looked at it and if you go on the trade and it's under, you just click on the trade, there's a yeah. projection uh, for the rest of the season.
2: <laughs>
0: so you, basically they, they're they projecting on a few previous results and then I, I guess the schedule coming up.
1: Yeah.
0: Aaron Rodgers is expected to go for the rest of the season 263 points. Jason Witten, 151 points. Gary Barnage is 156 points. And uh, Melvin Gordon is 37.3. And obviously, I think that's low. But regardless, that's that's like 200-point difference the rest of the season. 220-point
2: difference for the rest of the season. That's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, So what did Hall say?
0: Uh, Last I talked to him, uh, um, we were trying to figure out a way to put it up for a league vote, whether or not to – if we do put this trade up for league vote, should we make it – all trades have to be approved through a league vote going forward – because the one thing I don't think—I I don't think it's collusion. I think my brother's just is just an idiot.
1: <laughs> <Thanks>.
2: <laughs>
1: Honestly, I, I, I'm not going to say that. I think it's collusion, man. Britt said it was collusion too. The guy to posted on Facebook—he's like collusion. Yeah. <laughs> Who
2: said that? <laughs> Brent. And you know
1: that guy's right? pretty hard to get fired up about something. The beast down in Cincinnati. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's just pretty easy going as most people. So yeah, I mean, like,
0: right. So that guy
1: going. I, I mean,
0: I think the thing to I what I'm gonna say to do is just put it up for a league vote. Let the league strike it down, and I think that's the way. Yeah, and it. If,
1: if people if people feel that a trade needs to be up for vote any other time, then that'll be the process from now on. But we don't need to have every trade go up for a vote. I mean, you know, if you're trading, you know, fourth string Christian Michael for Alfred Blue, nobody got time to be voting on everyone. You know what I mean? So just... Mm -hmm. Right. No, it's less than that because I I, I don't think... It doesn't matter if you
0: vote or not vote. It's just the majority of the league. So I think if you miss the vote, you miss the vote. But you don't want to get into the situation where it's a fair trade but it hurts a team that's got a better record. Just, yeah, no. Nah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree,
1: yeah. Cause some, yeah Where you're not – like,
0: Right, yeah. right, because exactly. everybody's hating on a team that's 7-1, and one and you've you got at least half the league that's 500, you
1: know. Yeah. All right, man.
2: Now, I don't know. There's well, I'll a be, lot I'll be ready that. to vote. I'm ready to vote, so. <laughs> All right. My vote is vote, so. All right, man. I'll talk to you. All right. Bye. (laughs)